0: Hey friends, this is Pastor Elizabeth, and you're listening to the Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear the fourth sermon in our series on the prophet Jonah and hearing God's call in our lives. In this sermon, we look at what happens when Jonah gets out of the belly of the fish and preaches an incredibly mediocre sermon to the Ninevites, wondering who we are called to be more like, the insiders who are good at talking the religious game But may not actually make any change in their lives, or the outsiders who hear one word from God and turn everything around. I hope that while you're listening, you might hear something that draws you closer to the heart of God. Here we go. I remember very clearly the first time I ever preached a sermon in front of a congregation. I was 19 years old, And I had just finished my first year of seminary, but I had not had a preaching class yet. So I read a couple of preaching textbooks on my own that summer to try to prepare. And I spent hours in a local theology library researching my assigned scripture text. But despite my ample presentation or preparation, I was terrified. And it wasn't really the public speaking aspect so much, though of course that caused some anxiety. But what led to my terror, my panic, my dread, was the idea that I was being asked to hear a word from God and share it with an eager or maybe reluctant congregation. What if I heard wrong? What if my translation was bad? What if they truly needed to hear this word and I messed it up? or drowned it in my attempts to be clever or entertaining. I don't remember much of the content of that first sermon, except that it was based on a chapter of Acts I had never noticed and certainly had never heard preached on before, and that I preached for far too long, (laughs) having not yet learned the beauty of getting to save some of what you want to say to the congregation until the next sermon, an issue often observed in those who have preached only a handful of times who are trying to get the entire gospel message into a succinct 15 minutes, not yet trusting that there will be another chance. What I most remember is that only one person fell asleep, and as this was an evening service and he was quite elderly, I couldn't be certain that that was my fault. And more importantly, I did not keel over and die. Preaching, as powerful and difficult as it was, didn't kill me or anyone else. We all got through it alive, and perhaps even a little bit wiser, more compassionate and more confident in both the love and word of God. What we preachers do or are charged with doing is just that. Listening for the word of God in scripture and sharing it with those who have had less time or resource to study it. And listening to a congregation to know what they need to hear. Most of the time we don't call this prophecy unless it is a difficult and often liberationist word spoken about or to those with power and privilege who may or may not be in the audience. But when we look at the Bible, those who are called prophets are basically preachers. They may or may not have a steady congregation, but our call is the same, to hear a word from God and share it with others, hoping for some kind of transformation. So when I read a text like Jonah chapter 3, I admit to feeling a little bit frustrated by the success of what appears to be intentionally mediocre preaching. Here we have Jonah who has just been given a second chance, not only at following God's call, but also at life. And you might think he'd be a little more enthusiastic. He's caused this huge storm, been thrown into the sea, spent three days in the belly of the fish, and been vomited out on the beach. Then the word of the Lord has come to him again, saying, get up and go to Nineveh. God has been so patient with Jonah, far more than he deserves. God rescued Jonah from the pit of despair and from the land of the dead. And all God has asked of Jonah again is to go to that great city and cry out against it. And we've heard from the text that Nineveh is so huge it takes three days to walk across it. The storyteller trying to impress us with the size and importance of this city. But then Jonah only walks for one day. He only goes a third of the way into the city and then preaches the shortest imaginable sermon. In Hebrew, it's only five words. No illustrations, no stories, no convincing people he's right, no inviting them to change their wicked ways. There's no altar call here, no heartstrings pulled He just says, 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. He doesn't say why they'll be overthrown or who's going to do the overthrowing or what they might do about it. He puts everything in the passive voice too so that it's too vague to assign blame. Like when our political leaders have said things like, shots were fired or mistakes were made. And even with that, it doesn't appear that he said this to multiple people or even gathered a crowd to tell them that they would be overthrown. It doesn't say that he waited until he saw someone with political power to give this tiny sermonette. It's like he just walked for a day and then gave up and said his peace. You can almost see his face in your mind's eye, his slumping shoulders, his eyes rolling, as he does no more than the least possible to check the box and be finished with his work so that God might not come back and ask him to do this again. It is an embarrassment to hard-working preachers everywhere. <laughs> and I do, do feel some sympathy for Jonah. That three days walk across Nineveh, a foreign city where he would have been so vulnerable, a city known for being violent and cruel, must have felt an awful lot like the three days in the belly of the fish, like getting swallowed up all over again. I wouldn't have wanted to do it either, but I think I might have had a little more motivation to do it well after my disobedience had caused me to end up in the belly of a fish. It appears, though, that the reborn Jonah still has a lot of the old Jonah in him because he seems to think he can get away with doing a half-hearted job and calling it good, following the letter of the command instead of the spirit. He doesn't really even put forward enough effort to be thought of as a religious lunatic spouting nonsense on the street corners. It's a wonder that people hear his message at all. And yet, has any preacher ever had such success? Has any sermon ever brought about such transformation? Whoever heard Jonah's five words must have taken them quite seriously and then shared them with a neighbor who shared with their neighbor and theirs until the whole city had heard that they had only 40 days until they'd be overthrown. And the word for overthrown here sounds a lot like what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, who weren't defeated in battle, but completely destroyed by fire raining down from heaven. They were wiped off the map, obliterated with no survivors. The Ninevites knew what being overthrown could look like. And they believed they were in immediate danger, even if their messenger was a little lackluster. They didn't stop to ask why they would be overthrown or how this made sense since they were such a great city. They didn't ask who would do the overthrowing. They didn't even know the name of Jonah's God at this point. They just somehow knew that these words were true and that there was a chance to stop the planned destruction if they changed their ways. So everyone, oldest to youngest, richest to poorest, proclaimed a fast for repentance and put on the sackcloth of humility Everyone who heard this word responded by changing their lives and giving up their comfort simply because they thought it was the right thing to do. And when the word finally got to the king, he listened to his people and joined them, making their fasting into law. He easily could have said, Excuse me, you our Ninevites get back to feasting and show the world how powerful we are. This guy's words are absurd. He doesn't even seem to believe them. Why would we worry about being overthrown? But instead, the king, who believes in God right alongside his people, sits in ashes, calling even the livestock to fast and repent. And it's funny to imagine the cows and goats wearing sackcloth, and I'd be quite surprised if they participated in the fasting willingly. After all, the text says they couldn't even have water, which means they put their lives on the line. But livestock were included in Nineveh's repentance because they were part of Nineveh's prosperity. And if the city was destroyed, they'd be part of that. Too. Not only that, but the Ninevite king didn't know the Lord. He had no instruction on what repentance looked like. He was improvising, and he apparently didn't want to do too little to make a difference. And we have to give him credit for that. And perhaps the Ninevite's repentance was so overdramatic because the story was intended to convict its hearers who would have been Israelites. The people of God, the chosen people, had been listening to prophets for centuries, but still failed to keep the covenant with God. So perhaps the story was intended, at least in part, to amaze the people of God with the behavior of these people of the world. That those who had been so evil could turn so quickly and completely, while their own faith remained primarily in word and not in practice. This gets even more specific when the king of Nineveh says, who knows, God may relent and change God's mind The pagan king ironically understands God's freedom to act even more than Jonah does while he is trying to manipulate God to get what he wants. Somehow it's the foreigners who offer God the respect God deserves, who understand that God can do whatever God wants, that even sincere repentance doesn't entitle anyone to salvation. That's why it's called grace, because we can never earn our deliverance. It's given when undeserved. But lucky for us, God's ultimate will is for the salvation of God's people. So when God sees Nineveh fasting and praying, sitting in sackcloth, God decides not to obliterate them after all. But if anyone tells the Ninevites, we don't see it, Because the story turns back to Jonah in chapter 4. And for all we know, the Ninevites stayed in their sackcloth the full 40 days, and probably a few more just to be safe, before finally realizing they had been spared, that they and their livestock would live. But I have to wonder how often I am more like Jonah than the Ninevites an insider, one who has known God for all my life, someone who's heard God's call, but it's not totally what I want, so I'm either unresponsive, unenthusiastic, or just unwilling to follow. How is it that I am not more like the Ninevites who have no details, but believe, and are willing to change their lives dramatically as a result? Of that belief. How often do I insist on hearing the word from a highly regarded, well-credentialed source instead of trusting my neighbor who may have heard the word from someone else, letting a movement of the spirit wash organically over a whole region? How often do I, as a leader, join others in humility rather than asserting my own authority. How often do we as Americans rely on national prestige and our supposed closeness to God to save us, even when injustice and idolatry continue, assuming God will want to preserve national greatness despite patterns of sinfulness that show no signs of letting up? Even the Ninevites knew better than that. Even they knew that God asks for more. Who knows, maybe there's a Jonah among us today, giving as little truth as possible and delivering it without enthusiasm in a way that not only does not inspire but might just offend and is truth nonetheless. And maybe that word will be just enough to catch fire and blow through a people willing to humble themselves so that God's heart is warmed too. And we might all get more chances than we deserve. Maybe we are being called even now to fasting and sackcloth or to preaching the good news in ways that transform Maybe, but who knows? Amen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Faith Church Podcast. If what you heard was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a friend. If you have any questions, or if we can support you on your spiritual journey in some way, don't hesitate to reach out through our website, at www.faithunited.org. Tune in next week for the last sermon in our series, in which Jonah gets really mad at God for being so merciful. Something we might be able to identify with too. Until then, take care.